jinkies. Oh, what's that gross book made out of skin? It's not a book. It's a tome made out of skin. Ew. What's it say? Behold the collected apocrypha of Stacy Ponder, the writer for Final Girl. And Anthony Hudson, the programmer for Queer Horror. And together they are... Oh my god! Don't read it out loud! Don't read it out loud! of darkness! Uh, it's time... For the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just that. Just that, just in case people weren't aware. I thought there was going to be an exciting blue light yeah. special. No, sorry. Oh. No. I guess people introduce themselves all the time. Who cares? I what? mean, we, we haven't, don't they? I don't know what I'm talking oh! about. Other oh, podcasts. You mean like, don't oh, they? like on, a, on a, one of these. Yeah, right? Like, even if they have an intro, don't they? I don't know. Like they say, like, hi, I'm, as always, I'm Craig, and... Craig is your go-to. It's your, it's my, I always say Rebecca as my go-to, and you say Craig. I'm Craig. Hey, hi, everybody. It's Smooth Craig here. Uh, Oh, Smooth Craig. Smooth Craig, reaching across the airwaves into your heart. (laughs) Wow. You know? Gives the show a different feel, I'll say. What if, what if... What if, Stacy, we played a little game, and for one night, I'd be Craig and you'd be Rebecca? <laughs> Gaylords of Darkness on USA Late Night. Oh, wow. Gaylords of Darkness after darkness. Yeah. Yeah. Gaylords of Darkness after darkness. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Craig and Rebecca. Mm-hmm. Okay. Art. No, I, uh... <laughs> I heterosexual cosplay. <laughs> yeah, this is very like. I'm upset. I'm sorry. I'm up- yeah. I retract everything that has been said. This feels weird. <laughs> Where did these Uggs come from? <laughs> they just they <laughs> just materialized like Jamie Lee Curtis's wig from the 1981 film Halloween Two. <laughs> they just materialized on my feet. Well, do you think people have ever started the show and they've been confused? No. That's a really good question, though. I guess we could have considered this three years ago. We usually just launch into things, and I just wonder sometimes if we need a sort of more of a soft introduction. Hi again, everybody. I don't like Craig. I don't like this. (laughs) I don't like this smooth Craig. I love Smooth Craig. She's great. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I had a question. Really? This is, well, should I even ask it? No, this is a horror podcast. I'll say I watched Hellfest this week. A movie you've mentioned a few times on this show. I finally watched it. Oh, yeah. It's fine, right? It's fine and it's fun. Mm Mm-hmm. Had some surprises in store. Mm Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, it was enjoyable. I'll say that. I'm glad you liked or watched it. Yeah. I uh, I find it very enjoyable. I uh, want to know what your question was. My... Oh, nah. <laughs> well, it was deep philosophy, you know what I mean? But this is a queer horror podcast. I don't think it's a place for a deep philosophical uh, uh, oh. conversation. Well, my question was, does anybody like the Mona Lisa? What? <laughs> wait, wait, so this had nothing to do with Hellfest. No, no, just, but it has just... nothing to do with queer horror, which is why I was like, no, push that aside and mention that you watched Hellfest. Because at least that's horror movie related. But my big, my big question of the week is, does anybody actually like the Mona Lisa? No, the answer is no. Arguably the most famous painting in the world, in history of humanity. Nobody actually likes it. I rest my case here on it. You've just decided that, that nobody likes it. Who likes it? People go see it. They go to see it specifically, and then they see it, 
And generally, I think people are probably disappointed because it's very small. People have an idea that it's big, but it's not. It's very small. It but is. I, I think it's a thing that people will go and try to take a picture of and be like, I saw the Mona Lisa. But nobody is like, oh, my God, I love the Mona Lisa. Like, it really affects me as a paint. Like, nobody likes it. <laughs> so In- are, you, are you saying the Mona Lisa is Brie Larson? <laughs> Yes! <laughs> it's just small and disappointing. <laughs> and everybody pretends to like it. No, I mean, the Mona Lisa, I'm just saying, the Mona Lisa is like this hugely influential, like, influenced Renaissance portraiture. Like, I mean, there's, I'm not at all denying its importance, quote unquote, or whatever. But I mean, nobody likes it, right? Am I wrong? I I don't know that I actively like or dislike the Mona Lisa, but I do. <laughs> I guess I guess you have a point. We just kind of agree to acknowledge that she is there and treat that with reverence, which translates to the idea of liking it, perhaps. Right. I mean, if you think about the famous paintings that people are going to, like, hang up a reproduction in their home, you've got, like, Water Lilies by Monet. Nobody's hanging up the Mona Lisa. No, nobody has the Mona Lisa. Yeah, I guess it's kind of ugly. It doesn't do anything for me. But my question is, or my statement, I suppose, is I don't think it does anything for anybody. People, you know, art historians are like... Oh, she's in the mysterious smile in the first femme fatale. And I'm, to which I say, sure, Jan dot gif. <laughs> I think we've all projected onto the Bella Lisa a little bit too much here. Yeah. Anyway, that's just how I feel. But like I said, this is not the time or the place. I love that as, <laughs> as you were speaking... <laughs> I could hear, in performer bullet time, I could hear <laughs> you seeing the two paths in front of you. And there was the one that, the, tr- the train is speeding, that, that it's just like beyond the door three, the haunted ghost train is speeding towards the Mona Lisa. But then yep. Mr. Conductor, Stacy, like, he had to hit the, the emergency lane change thing. Right. To get you back to horror movies. So I told you I watched Hellfest, which is just an equally uh, incredible statement and observation. Just <laughs> compelling content this week. But out of panic to yeah. get away from where your heart was taking you, which was, fuck the Mona Lisa. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe there's some Mona Lisa stand out there who's going to be like, actually, oh, I love it. I'd like to the composition of it. Like, great. You can tell me. That's fine. Is it true that, I like it if it's true that Da Vinci just painted himself in drag, even though they said she was a real person. I've heard that story too, that he just painted himself in drag, and I'm like, well, I like that. Still want to put it on my wall. Thank you. It's too grand. Not that art, not that art, I'm not saying that art's value is only like, uh, you know, how does it look over my couch? I'm certainly not saying that. I'm just <laughs> saying that you have this thing that is like the pinnacle, the pinnacle of human achievement in painting, the most famous painting in the world. And I don't think anybody actually is just like, I love that painting. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's absolutely the most famous portrait of all time, right? Sure. But Hellfest, I like Hellfest. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I found that it did some very surprising things in, in like, two sections. Yes, it absolutely did. And there were two final girls who were best friends, and I loved that. So I was I was a fan of that film. So Terror Train, right? You know, it's a movie that got made. It's 1980. Um, it's something of a slasher classic. I'll say this right up front. I'll say it. There are a lot of things about this movie that I like that I find fun. Overall, I find it a bit dull. Yes. The end. (laughs) Terror train is in my ears and in my eyes. I did not see this coming. No one did. (laughs) No one saw this coming today. I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that because it was what I was thinking as I was watching it. Um, I think this was only my third viewing of Terror Train, honestly. 
And I feel, I get those feelings where I'm like, I'm a bad horror fan, you know, because everyone loves Terror Train. And I like it. I can say, like, that was fun in parts. I like some of these characters. I love Mitchie. I can say, though, Vanity is incredible. I can say all of these things. Um, But does the movie linger with me as a early-ish in the saga of the genre slasher classic? I guess it just doesn't... I never connected with Terror Train. That's the thing. I just never personally connected with it. It just isn't doesn't do it for me like the other slashers do. Um, I would like to say for people who have not seen Terror Train, um, I understand what the title implies, but I just want you to know that the train itself is not what is providing the terror. A more accurate <laughs> title would be terror within the train, perhaps. Terror <laughs> on board the train. <laughs> But it's not as catchy as Terror Train. It's true. Yeah, there's this is not a be on the door three haunted train scenario. Right, right. It's a slasher movie on a train. It's a party movie. It's a college kids hangout movie. It's a mystery. It's a revenge. It's a revenge thriller. It's kind of horror, but it's also like got random disco and magic sequence. Lots of stage magic sequences starring one David Copperfield. But I think for me, it's also a lot of the slasherness is off screen. Yeah, it does follow the classic slasher formula. When you break it down, you know, the traumatic event and then the, the person comes back mm-hmm. later and kills the perpetrators of a prank that went wrong, etc., etc. But it just, it does kind of cut away. Like, it's more of a let's find the dead bodies rather than see people get killed, which can be fine also. But it just, like, is really disjointed, and it has, even though it's like a party movie, like you said, and it should be festive or whatever, it's kind of serious. And even though these are college kids, they all feel much older. Yes. And so it just comes off as kind of strange. There's something about this movie that doesn't work. It's like the killer disguised as the magician's assistant. You can look and your eyes just don't think it works. Right. <laughs> you know? Uh, I mean, so it, take, it begins at a New Year's Eve party. There's a frat hazing going on. And to haze a nerd named Kenny Hampson. Uh, <laughs> Such a nerd name. What a nerd. Um, they make him think that a young woman named Elena, played by Jamie Lee Curtis wants to have sex with him she lures him into a dark bedroom he gets into bed she's like oh come on kenny get in. come kiss me kenny so he gets into bed but it's actually a cadaver of an old woman in the bed kenny starts twirling around in the tool fabric that has been hung up and uh loses his mind completely we fast forward three years all of these uh pre-med students and the such are ready to graduate and they've rented a choo-choo train for the night. <laughs> it's a scientific <laughs> name. Yeah. Uh, to have a party on board this train. Um, and so they get on board. Little do they know. Little do we know. I mean, we're not supposed to know, but somebody starts killing people. Guess what? It's Kenny. The end. <laughs> Mystery. Um... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Does not ensue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know. So Kenny starts kind of picking them off sort of one by one, changing disguises. He's posing as the magician's assistant, which brings up a lot of uh, questions. Mm-hmm. David Copperfield is on board. They've hired him as a magician because who doesn't love magicians, right? <laughs> Especially emo <laughs> romantic gothic magicians that hate everyone on board a train. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Boy, he just doesn't have any charisma, right? He is literally like he serves the most strange uh, haunted Victorian vo- doll like energy in yes! this movie. Yes. I don't know what he is doing. I don't understand it. It's like you're a ma- he's actually a magician. Like he actually performs magic. You would think he would have a little zest. Yeah. 
you know, but there's something, maybe just being in a movie freaked him out or something. I don't know, but my God, he just drags the energy down whenever he's on screen. Every time he's staring at Jamie Lee. It's like he's like Angela in the first sleepaway camp. Yeah, just always just like. Just, just <laughs> staring. Doing that face. Yeah, doing big that eyes. Stare, The stare face. That's always, he is the the most unpleasant <laughs> magician. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, that's pretty much the movie. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Kenny is constantly, he'll kill somebody and then take their costumes. Basically, anytime Kenny is not on the screen, you can assume he's changing his clothes. <laughs> Changing his wig. Changing the wig, putting on the makeup, taking off the makeup, putting on the dress, putting on the wig, taking off the wig, taking off the dress, taking off the makeup, putting on the lizard head, putting on the lizard costume, taking off the lizard head, taking off the lizard costume, putting on the Jean Shalit mask, taking off the Jean Shalit mask, putting on... It's like... <laughs> he has a whole checklist and his, his beeper is constantly going off to tell him when it's time. Yeah. And I would like to say that I know that it's supposed to be Groucho Marx. It's way more satisfying if you think it's a mask of the late film critic Gene Shalit. Oh, wouldn't that be just... The, oh, that's just everything. It's much better. It makes the movie a lot more fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if that's just a private joke for yourself. Uh, but I mean, it so starts... You just sat there chuckling every time yeah. you saw Groucho. <laughs> yeah, pretty like, much. Oh, Gene. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it starts out and it's got the classic red font on a you know, on the black background, and you're like, wow, slashers, right? Yeah. But then, I think the fact that this movie's logo, like, I think you can sum it all up by the fact that, like, it doesn't have a cool font, like A Nightmare on Elm Street, or any of the other slasher movies. It's literally just, like, Ariel 24 point, and it says, yes. Terror Train. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if it had a voiceover, it would be that. <laughs> yeah. It's just like this, this movie, like David Copperfield, there's just like a missing zest. Like it needs a little more fun atmosphere. And the fun atmosphere, quote unquote, that is actually in the movie just doesn't translate to the movie itself. It's like the potatoes I had the other morning. Like they just needed a little something more to like it, it just needed a little bit more seasoning you know and then it would have been and then i would have said i remember that potato fondly but instead i was like the potato was a chore the potato felt like a chore for a moment i agree i want to love this movie because it is 1980 classic slasher times like right at the beginning of the real boom well and i think that's part of it right is that it, it it's it's like it's like looking at how differently um what it was different direction elm street 2 took you know it was like they were still figuring out that franchise alone with elm street like okay so what's what's going to happen in a freddy sequel let's try and see what this is and then they realized in part three oh wait let's go back to what worked in the first one um in the overall saga of, of slashers themselves at this point what we had had like black christmas and halloween and Friday Thirteenth, but then otherwise, like prom night was also happening at the same time as this, um, and then everything else came out in eighty one, and that's when it really got good. Yeah, it was they they I don't know if they just upped the violence or something, but the early slashers definitely have a more serious kind of. Even though you have comedy bits and stuff like that, it's like they do like something like He Knows You're Alone too. I think mm-hmm. is nineteen eighty. There's kind of a stodginess to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I think that's what this movie suffers from. I think Halloween worked because it was teenagers, like they were supposed to be teenagers, and they talked like teenagers, like mature mm-hmm. teenagers, but still, they were definitely teenagers. Uh, Black Christmas, they were college kids, and they were just amazing but they felt like college kids yeah some of the movies they feel like adults and it's more serious and it just doesn't quite gel in a way a really great slasher does yes 
And both of those movies were doing something new. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Friday the 13th, Terror Train, Prom Night, like, they were all getting made and coming out at the same time uh, and kind of figuring out what was going to be, what what this genre looks like and what happens. And this just didn't take it enough in a new territory um, that ultimately it, it's it's just kind of, it's a weirdo. There's that. I'm going to tell you, give me a reboot, everyone. Jason Blum. $50. Give me a reboot where we focus on the mystery solving skills of one Maggie Anderson dispatcher. (laughs) That's like, I love that scene. I love that. It's such a good, is it not a great scene? It is early in the movie. You get this, this establishing scene where you get to, you get to learn to love Mr. Conductor and his, uh, coworker slash hopeful lady love. I got some great vibes between those two. Sure. One Maggie Anderson dispatcher. It says so on her name tag. (laughs) And they dance around in their little office and they are so cute. And he's going off on the train to, you know, whatever with the kids. And we turned to each other and we said, Jason and I were like, oh, he better make it back home to Maggie Anderson dispatcher. There's so much charm in that scene. Yes. And it's like, that's the kind of, that feels like, you know, watching the, the characters hang out and just be pals and like my, my bloody Valentine. Like that's the slice of life that I want to be inhabiting in this film. So, I mean, there's, there are bits that are there. Yeah. I think another part of it is that our main cast, uh, I mean, Elena, I mean, I want to like her because it's Jamie Lee Curtis. She's kind of a drag. Um, she's basically just a naysayer of everything. Like, she doesn't seem like a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know, all the dudes suck. Like, one of the main guys is just really mean. Like, he's the one who masterminded the prank on... Doc. Doc. He's the one who was the mastermind of the prank. He's just an asshole. And it's like... I don't even think his friends like him. Like, it's just... And so he's unpleasant. A lot of the the girls that get drunk and are real secondary characters and kind of wander in and out are a bit of fun, but they don't have much to do. Yeah. Yeah, Vanity doesn't get to do anything in this movie. Except look incredible. Except be Vanity, thank you. Yeah. (laughs) I think Mitchie gets to do the most, um, and you just can't help but love her. Uh, and then she's dispatched fairly early, like halfway through, if not earlier. Um, and that's sad. I actually, in this watch, I was, I was stricken by, yeah, Elena's, Elena, Elena is pretty boring, but I was stricken by how much I just love Jamie Lee and how much we'll never have another Jamie Lee. We'll never have a, a horror movie actress like her. Like, she's weird. I forgot how weird she is. Because Laurie Strode is so just like kind of there in the first halloween i mean i would we know how i feel about laurie i love laurie very much but but she's just kind of there and then in like this you get to see this the weirdness of jamie lee and i really appreciate that it's i think it's kind of remarkable when you look at i mean she is undeniably a scream queen whatever mm-hmm. had this great run of movies in the early late 70s early 80s right but when you look at the characters, it's like, we all love Laurie Strode because all of those girls in Halloween were written so well that you yes. can't help but love Laurie, even though she kind of just survives, you know, by the skin of her teeth, right? Mm-hmm. But you look at Jamie Lee Curtis's resume and the characters she played, it's like Prom Night, The Fog, Terror Train. None of these are great characters. No. At all. There's nothing remarkable about any of those characters. I mean, yes, the disco sequence in Prom Night, of course. I was going to say. <laughs> but I mean, that's that's nothing to do with the character. Do you know what I mean? That's like the, yeah. the dance sequence is the character. And so yeah. it's just like, it's because it's Jamie Lee Curtis and whatever weirdness or charisma or whatever it is that she brings to all of this. 
mm-hmm. that she has the status she does because it's not the characters. I mean, Adrian Barbeau has played much more iconic characters. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that wild? And then Jamie Lee really, she's really getting to do that with roles now. Mm-hmm. And like in the last ten years. Like, you get to see her really eat up these roles in, like, Knives Out or Scream Queens, you know? Um, even even her fucking doctor loomising it up from a hospital bed in <laughs> this shitty new one. Like, she gets to go more wild now, but yeah, she was kind of getting... They're there. The characters are there. They react. They still were figuring out heroines in, in slasher films. Um, have you seen Road... Is it Road Games? The Australian one? I haven't seen that. I've always wanted to, but I've never seen it. Man, I will tell you this, she is fucking great in that movie. And she gets a great character. It actually sucks because her character disappears for like half the movie. And then you're like, I won Jamie Lee! <laughs> but I highly recommend it. You, I think you would love it. Um, but uh, also, also, please check out the Blu-ray uh, cover art. It is very strange. They, they drew her <laughs> arm like three, three feet longer than it should be proportionally. <laughs> anyway, um... Uh, I love Jamie Lee. She's such a weirdo. We'll never have a weirdo like her again. Uh, watching this, I was also stricken. I hear you with Doc and Doc being a piece of shit. That said, he's very pretty. Thank you, Mark Walkner. Well, yes. <laughs> and then I couldn't help what I, I focused on exclusively this watch was the strange hint of an alluded to relationship between Doc and Mo, aka Jamie Lee's boyfriend. Really? Did you catch on to that? No. Jason and I were losing our minds. Like, there I don't know, there's just like a weird I don't know if the, if the director gave them this don't. I don't know if they agreed on this just together as actors and it's just unspoken. But the movie, I feel like, really points to the idea that these two guys are fucking. <laughs> There's conversations about, like, you know, when he's talking about, oh, Jamie, Mo is saying, oh, Jamie Lee, Alana's gonna leave him, Elena's gonna leave him, and and then Doc's like, well, you'll still have me, I'll be here. And they have, like, all these long, soulful glances at each other. There's a moment where they talk about... Um, Oh, come on. We've got experiences. Tell him, Doc. We've got experience together. And, like, they, they just keep hinting at this stuff to the point that when, when when Mo dies, Doc, like, freaks out and is, like, crying and screaming. And Jamie Lee is holding uh, Mo's body, but Doc has his face, like, just smashed. He's just leaning, laying his face on the dead body's face of Mo. And it feels very gay. There's the part where the train goes in the tunnel. The train goes in the tunnel, exactly. <laughs> it feels, but it feels very gay to okay. me. Okay, all right. Um, and then they even reference at one point, like when they're talking about it with Mitch, I think it's Mitch or somebody. They're like, oh, well, you and Doc have an, an agreement. So like it's stated that they see other people. These two guys keep talking about hinting about them having a relationship and then with him being dead and his freak out crying i'm just like i'm very intrigued by that part of this movie but that's all i could latch on to this time around besides david copperfield as a haunted victorian doll this is my other question about this film stacy yes are med students really this bonkers in the world in the realm of film med students are out of control because you have terror train they're out of control they're pulling pranks they're having sex people are dying uh flatliners absolutely college med students gone wild uh pathology another piece of shit where med students go wild the ruins i mean they party (laughs) but i'm like why is it always med students i wouldn't think med students are that nuts but i guess they are in films they're under a lot of stress so when they let off steam they really let it off (laughs) <laughs> is that what it is yeah that makes sense this movie is so strange uh anyway in a wonderful slice of poetic justice when kenny finally dies after getting bonked in the head by ben johnson the conductor after he does another insane twirl just like at the beginning and you say oh my goodness and then he falls out of the train and face plants in an icy river it's amazing <laughs> and then it's 
they follow the body as it goes down the river, and there's something so funny about it, even though yeah. it's like this is a sad end to a really horrible life. I mean, yes, he killed all those people, but you know what I mean? Like, Candy's been put out of his misery at last, and but it's just hilarious. Well, it's I think it's that shot really begs to have that Charlie Brown. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Play as the body floats down the down. snowy river. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, put that in the Snyder cut. It would be so great. So it's interesting to me that that's the gay you're focused in on, where we have Kenny posing as David Copperfield's assistant in full drag the entire it's very time. Curious, and you say to yourself, "What is this relationship?" Like, David Copperfield doesn't think that that's, like, another assistant that he, that Kenny killed, right? Like, Yeah, like... David Copperfield, master of illusion. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I like, what, what, what is their relationship? Because we don't know. If there was a scene where, like, Kenny killed the assistant and then took her place or something, but I don't, but wouldn't David Copperfield see through it? Like, he knows his you own assistant. Think... If he can, if he can make a rose levitate across a disco cab to <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis, you would think he would also keep track of who is and isn't actually his assistant. <laughs> Jason said that was his assistant the whole time, but I was like, no, because when they're out and when the train stops and they're out in the snow, like that is this full-on woman talking at him, right? Mm, I thought. It when was... she's like, "I'm cold," I thought it was Kenny. Jason said that was Kenny, but I was like, well, look at me. What is gender? Was it Kenny? That was a totally different voice. The actor does drag. The whole time? I mean, in real life, he does drag. That's why they hired him. Really? Mm-hmm. I did not know any of this. I love, I love everything that is happening and I'm learning so much. So it's just weird. I, it looks like him the whole time to me in the face. It's like it's Kenny's face. Because as soon as the assistant appeared, I haven't seen this movie in probably at least 10 years, but the moment the assistant appeared and opened her mouth, I was like, oh, right, it's Kenny. I completely, completely fell for it. Except, like, there was one shot where I was like, her, something about her. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. really drawn to her. Huh. Yeah. I thought, I did not think, but that's what Jason said, too, was it was the whole time it was yeah. her. Yeah. Is that gay, though? Not necessarily. Is it even queer? I don't know. Because I just read Kenny as being... I just read Kenny as being like a giant toxic ass. Right, right. But I guess Doc is, too. But Doc is the one that's cute. Oh, (laughs) that's that's the difference. Okay. This is problematic. I have to go. I don't know. I, it's just there's there's a key element missing in there somewhere in the relationship between the magician and the assistant that yeah. leaves leaves the audience with questions. Yeah. Because I can't imagine they would work in close quarters, like face to face, an inch apart, and David Copperfield wouldn't be like, wait a second, Linda. Unless your he face did. is weird. He did, and then got killed for it, off screen, of course, because this is a slasher film. <laughs> but that was at the very end of the film. He did all the yeah. performance and everything and didn't notice. Were they gay? Did they have a secret relationship? No. No, because no, he killed them. Or were they in on it? There's nothing to support any of this. No. But now in my brain, I'm like, you have Doc and Mo, and now you have Kenny and... Brahms, Dick Copperfield. <laughs> queer horror masterpiece. <laughs> is this a queer horror masterpiece? And is Terra Train undoing gender? It's had me, it's thrown me for a whole loop in terms of passing and not passing. <gasps> well, that's interesting. Yeah. So it stinks. Uh... It does. <laughs> no, well, I don't know that it stinks. Like, there's, it, there are moments I really like, and then, but as a whole, I don't think I need to watch it anytime soon again. Yeah. I love the pink and purple lighting down that hallway. It was a great set. I like the costumes. I love the disco cab. Love Jamie Lee. She's so weird. Even if I don't care for her character. (laughs) 
And I love Maggie Anderson Dispatcher. There you go. That's all you need. Yeah. So it's a, it's weird. It's a strange. It's a weird little time capsule. As a slasher, early slasher time capsule. I think this is an interesting movie, but um, but that's about it. Yeah. You know what? I want to go back to in the because now I'm thinking about you know kind of revisiting these old slashers that I kind of lost track of. One of them that I really. I just got the Blu-ray, and I'm like, well, I guess I have to watch it now, but will I? Is Alice Sweet Alice. I want to revisit that soon, I think. Mm, it's a great one. Yeah, yeah. It's been a long time, and I'm like... But I didn't realize how early that one was. Oh, yeah. It's, what, 74? Yeah, same year as Black Christmas. Yeah. And I was like, that is early as shit. I had no... I did not even realize that, so... Creepy killer. Get Up is fantastic. Very iconic. And very easy to do for Halloween, because you can get those masks at any store. <laughs> that and a yellow raincoat, all it takes. That one's got some sleaze to it. Feels sleazy. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Well, any of those old ones that, you know, kill children always also have sleaze. Kill children! It's like, is this character a pedophile? I don't know. You know what I mean? Oh, it's God. Like, it's, yeah, it's one of those, so... You know, that actually does bring me to a question, thinking about early slashers and um, the kind of development of the genre, is that brings me to a question that I've been wanting to ask you since I saw the beginning of this film the other night. So we have the inciting incident that is usually responsible for all the slasher killers, with the exception of what, like, Michael Myers just did it one night. But... Everybody else, there is an event that triggers this or re-triggers the killer later in life. And they still like blood rage or pieces. Now they're killing again. With this, there is the prank. But then the prank goes on to become a very, like you see that in Sorority Row. You see that in, I mean, the prank comes back in The Burning. It comes back a lot in slasher movies. But I'm like, was this, was this the earliest incident of the prank being, the prank goes wrong? Because I was trying to think, like, what was, where did the prank goes wrong actually get its origin? And was that this? Or does it go further back to a movie or a story that I don't know of? Oh, I'll have to think about it, but it could be. Because I'm thinking, like, what? There's the burning, there's, which was... Slaughter High. Slaughter High, House and Sorority Row. Um, All of those rely on the, the inciting incident is the prank. So listeners, if you can think of an earlier prank goes wrong that triggers a slasher killer, I'd be interested to find out what it is or what the first prank was. Prank zero. Prank zero. I'll think on it. Yeah. So, I mean, at the very least, that could be a huge contribution to the genre from this film otherwise. Right. Besides Maggie Anderson, Dispatcher. (laughs) Yeah, obviously. Yeah. You learn something every day. (laughs) Sure do. And or learn... Uh, no answer to a question. Stacy. with all of that said, are you ready to place your head on the chopping block? I'm ready. Woohoo! Choo-choo. <laughs> with all that said... Do you remember after the last three weeks, which one of us goes first this time? I do not. Shit! (laughs) No, don't remember. Don't care to remember. Yeah. How's that? I love that for you. Yeah. So we can flip a coin, a metaphorical coin. Oh, that's true. A conceptual coin? Yeah. (laughs) Tails. Okay. What? I don't know. Who cares? Do you want to ask? Who? Yeah, I'll ask. Oh, okay. All right. I'll answer then. Okay. Well, and for people that are wondering, people who turned people on this podcast. What the fuck we're talking about? <laughs> yeah, the people that turned on this podcast and said, who are these voices that aren't introducing themselves? Oh, my God. <laughs> um, the chopping block, as as administered by one Stacey Ponder and one Anthony Hudson here on Gaylord's Darkness, is a question and answer game in which we present each other with three categories from which to choose. We choose our category and we are asked five 
horror trivia questions. We have 10 seconds to answer each question, unless we call out, I want the wig, in which case Jamie Lee Curtis's wig from the 1981 film Halloween 2 descends upon your head, materializes like an ug, and confuses <laughs> our non-binary executioner, the heads they, earning you an additional 10 seconds just to answer that question. If you get anything wrong, you are done. Game over. However, if you get all five questions right, well done. You have won and you have your head intact to show for it. Incredible. Yes. All right, Stacy. Okay. I have one new category for you and two returning categories. Okay. Your returning categories are... Okay, wait. Is Terror Train a New Year's movie? Yeah. Because it is, but it isn't. <laughs> like The express purpose is not to celebrate New Year's Eve, but it does. The first one, the first opening especially takes place on New Year's Eve, though, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at no point is anyone like, Happy New Year. At the beginning, they are. Oh, they do say that? They have a, yeah, they have a banner that says Happy New Year. But do they say it? <laughs> what? <laughs> Well, it, never mind. Thank you. In honor of this being vaguely a New Year movie, I have a returning category, New Year, New Me, in which I name two or so, two or more franchise entries, and you tell me which one character was recast between the entries I tell you. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. That's New Year, New Me. Your next returning category is We Are Going to Eat You, in which I tell you a tagline from a zombie movie, and you tell me the movie. So, like, Ooh. if I said We Are Going to Eat You, you would say... Zombie. Congratulations, everyone! <laughs> and your new category is The $100,000 Pyramid, or 27 Canadian Dollars, in which... Uh, this is a new category, and this is kind of a new way to do things, so this could be really scary, but we'll find out what happens if you choose it. I start the clock, and you have within 10 seconds to answer the question. So what happens is, while the clock ticks, I give you four keywords describing an iconic Canadian horror film. And the question is, can you name the movie before the blade comes down within those 10 seconds? What? So Does the that make question, sense? yeah, the question and the answer happens all in ten seconds. So yes. if I can't get it on like the first or second word, I'm fucked. Yes, but chances are you will because they're easy. Okay, but you know, you, I would say the words within like the first five seconds. <laughs> you also have two wigs. Sure. You have a wig. For five of the questions. Three wigs. You have a wig of the dead, a unreliable Karen Huger wig, and the regular Jamie Lee Curtis wig. So, your questions, or your, your categories are from Smooth Craig. New Year, New Me, We Are Going to Eat You, or The $100,000 Pyramid, or 27 Canadian Dollars. Well, how am I supposed to resist the $100,000 pyramid? It is my chance to live my Teresa Ganzel dreams, first of all. Oh, thank you. I'm sorry, $100,000 no. pyramid theme song is lit, okay? You cannot say you're sorry. You can never apologize for the $100,000 pyramid theme song. And I need you to now take that sample and loop it under this entire sequence. <laughs> uh, well, I gotta go with that one. Okay. Even though I am dubious that it will work. So I don't then... But here's the thing... Also, is that on $100,000 Pyramid, or its predecessor, $25,000 Pyramid, before inflation happened. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, they yell out answers until they get the right one. Whereas here, I only have the one chance. So if you're like, corn, corn, and they're like, uh, picnic, 
Corn. <laughs> Corn. <laughs> Scarecrow. And they're like, field! You know what I mean? Well, yeah, this is different because they also aren't going to get their heads chopped off on the Yeah, this is... Pyramid. All right. Well, we'll see if it works. I'm dubious. We'll, we'll see. see. We're going to see if it works. Thank you for... Stacy. you are an effervescent, fearless... Uh, <laughs> she is always willing to go into the unknown. Well. And I'm grateful for that. I mean, classic game show. How can I refuse? So the I'm going to give you four keywords. You probably would want to hear the first two. Okay. Okay. But I'll give you four. The clock will start after the very first word. And you really do just have to get the right word or else you die. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The way you should, if you, well, okay, we'll see how it goes. I I think I have a better way for this to have worked, but. I am very open to notes. Okay. (laughs) And honestly, I should have focus tested it first but you should have um, just done it like the final round of the hundred thousand dollar pyramid where you set the clock at 50 seconds and see how many i can get and that way if i'm stuck on the first one and i eat up 45 seconds well then tough shit you only got one bitch get should we do that i mean i don't know i don't know if what you've written lends itself to that i'm just saying like okay well we'll find out we'll find out and then maybe that will come back right We'll have 27 Canadian dollars final round. <laughs> yeah. That is the exchange rate, by the way. Uh, you don't have to tell me. I write for room work. <laughs> Please subscribe, everybody. <laughs> Please do subscribe, everybody. Okay. $100,000 pyramid or 27 Canadian dollars. I give you four keywords describing an iconic Canadian horror film. Can you name the movie before the blade comes down? You have... 10 seconds starting with this first keyword for our first film. Are you ready? Sure. Starting now. Question one. Radio. Language. Virus. Pontypool. Ding, 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 ding. All right. Next round. Starting now. Laundromat. Minor. My Bloody Valentine. Ding, 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 ding. (gasps) Okay, on to number three. Sorority. Telephone. Billy. Blow. Cr- Christmas. Blah. Christmas. girls in that movie are named Billy and I well you all heard what happened okay nine seconds in you made it with the answer the title we were all looking for Bob Clark's famous formative 1974 slasher Christmas Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> and the remake. <laughs> blah, blah. <laughs> oh shit. All right. By the way, the the new um the new terrible Black Christmas with the Diva Cup shrine <laughs> is, <laughs> is on HBO Max, and I'm like, oh god, I can feel my finger reaching for the play button. Oh. Okay. Okay. We're on to number four. Okay. You're almost there. Okay. 1957. Fire. Possession. Prom queen. <laughs> Mary Lynn. Prom night two. Yep. Uh, ding, Mary. ding, ding, ding. Right Woo. time. Okay. Stacy, you were giving your brain a workout. I know it's not thankful. <laughs> well, you were, you were almost to the finish line. Number five. All women are bitches wait what all women are bitches oh 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 no no my bride my bride. <laughs> 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 
It's Kathy's curse! It's Kathy's curse! Absolutely Kathy's curse. I didn't realize that that was... Because that was a sentence and it didn't... It's true. I don't think R is a keyword. No, 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 those weren't keywords. You were right. That was a flaw in the system. I just thought all women are bitches was so memorable from Kathy's Curse. Which well, it is. You have the pull quote on the Blu-ray. You were thinking in a different realm. My brain was on one train track. Yes. And then I had to back it up and go on the other train track. If I said, if I'd said... Uh, you could have said medium rare piece of shit, and I would have said, that's too many words! And then the time would have run out. So, God, I love Kathy's Curse. Kathy's Curse is perfect. I need to watch it again very soon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well. Well, Stacey, this, that was very admirable. You yeah. really won until I shake, shook up the system and did the thing that you weren't expecting or looking for. So I apologize. <laughs> It's okay. All right, Anthony. Oh, no. Wipe the blood off the old chopping block and place your noggin upon it. This is not, I'm not sure this is sanitary, especially in the days of COVID. It's definitely not. I have a slew of communicable diseases. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's actually exciting. (laughs) It is. I've lived a very exciting life. I want to know uh, more. <laughs> uh, okay, so you have three new categories, I thought, but one of them I don't think is new. <laughs> Did you write it as a new category and then realized it's not? Uh, pretty much, yep. Well, and I a- think not only is it one that is making a reappearance, I think it's one that you actually did already. Oh, Okay, so, that's exciting. Yeah, we'll see. You know, it's a tricky... The chopping block is a tricky mistress. Like, I realized last week's episode, your category was location, location, location. Yeah. And I already did a, a category called location, location, location. But that was a different yeah. category. Yeah, it felt familiar. In yeah, at some, at some point... Like, I just need a better spreadsheet. Yeah. Because there are too many at this point, and I don't know how to keep track of anything anymore. But, okay. No. And uh, so this one, I, like, wrote it, and then I was like, this feels familiar. And then I scrolled down, and I found the same category title, but it was empty underneath. There were no no questions or anything, so I think you already did it. Oh, like, you, cl- and then you cleared it? Yeah. Oh. Well, that's so exciting. With- yeah, so it's uh, if you pick it, I guess you'll do it again. And that category is fancy a massacre, governor. What? <laughs> uh, in this one, I should say up front, all three categories this week uh, relate to slasher films in Love honor it. of Terreur Train. It, that is the French title. Yeah, that's exactly it, the French title. Uh, <laughs> in this category, Fancy a Massacre Governor, you have 50 seconds, 60 if you ask for a wig, to name five movies that have the word massacre in the title. Mm. However, we are not allowing remakes, reboots, or sequels. Mm. All right, in category two... Uh, which is called To Avoid Fainting, Keep Repeating. It's only a tagline. In this, I give you the tagline of a slasher movie. You tell me the name of the movie. And our third category is Here's a Weapon. It's really powerful, especially against living things. (laughs) Which, of course, is a line from the 1996 Eight video game Resident Evil. <laughs> this category has nothing to do with Resident Evil. I just love Resident Evil. Oh, uh, this category is all about slasher movie weapons. I will name the unusual weapon <gasps> by which someone is killed. You tell me which movie features that unusual weapon. Like the football with a knife on it? Maybe. Oh! So we have Fancy a Massacre, Governor. 
to avoid fainting, keep repeating, it's only a tagline. And here's a weapon. It's really powerful. Especially <laughs> against living things. <laughs> <laughs> I love that thing. Um, I just have to say, I love the dialogue. I love the acting. That's I want to play Resident Evil so bad. And I got the code Veronica for my Dreamcast. I'm too afraid to play it. Yeah. But I like, want it just for that acting. Yeah. Well, especially the original Resident Evil. Is oh, incredible. those scenes. Just the pinnacle. Well, this is really rough because these are all great. I, I'm most drawn to the weird weapons, but but I also am like, do I have a big one challenge in me? Hmm. It's a question only you can answer. Hmm. I'm going to go. For, okay, shit. I need to make a decision. I'm gonna go for I'm gonna go for the weapons, please. Okay, I think you'll get these. They're pretty iconic. Okay. So I name the weapon, you name and I'm not gonna be like a knife. You know. These are all <laughs> strange, unusual weapons, okay? You'll get these. Here we okay. go. Okay, okay. Weapon number one a glass unicorn. Black Christmas. Yes, ding, ding, ding. I'm sorry. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the more <laughs> accurate pronunciation. Yes, Thank you. the full title. Weapon number two. Football with a sword attached. <laughs> it was a sword. That was it. Uh, I still need to see this. Graduation day. Yes, ding, ding, ding. Weapon number three. Trombone. With a knife attached. Oh! I want the wig because that's in... Wait. Oh, wait. That's not... Is that House by Sorority Row? No? House on Sorority No! No, that's in pieces? No, he kills people with chainsaw in pieces. Wait, the trombone with a sword attached to it is in... With a knife attached. The trombone. Oh, it's a knife? The trombone with a knife attached. That's in. Because he does the. It go. Oh, no, that's not my bloody Valentine. Because that's the pickaxe. Wait. What? Wait, pitchfork? Pick it. Wait, what? What is it? It is the town that dreaded sundown. It's the town that dreaded sundown. It's really weird. Because it's like. Damn. There's the girl sitting against a tree, and he has a trombone with a knife attached, and he's holding it and blowing it, but he's not playing any notes. He's just like, and when he breathes, he like stabs her, like, you know, the the way the trombone arm thing moves. And yeah. Like, poke, poke, poke. It's so weird. Yeah, it's very strange. It's very off-putting. I could see it. I just couldn't place it within that film. Yeah. With that movie, I just, I honestly, I always just think of, well, one, the bag head, and then I think of poor Marianne. Yeah. In one of the most suspenseful scenes of all time. Mm-hmm. I've never seen the remake. I kind of want to see the remake because the original, I you love it. <laughs> really? You it's don't bad. want to, Stace. You would get nothing from it. Really? You don't want to see it. Okay. It just there's no reason for it to exist. It's just like they made it as a, a movie with young people being like, "Have you ever heard about a movie called The Town of Dreaded Sunday?" Like it's it's just you know it's like a Ryan Murphy, oh, era, oh, because the original like I love it and it's really got some creepy stuff, but then it's got all that comedy that really yeah is... the wacky music and yeah and so it's like I want it without the comedy. No, you're not going to get that from this. Okay. This well, one is just like, it's like bad 2010 teens. Um, and I remember it being fine, but it's just like, it takes place within the world of the Town of Dreaded Sundown, the movie. Oh. So it's like, that was, the killings had already happened like years ago in Texarkana. Oh. And now, now there's a copycat and they're happening again. And oh. it, but it's, they're trying to like scream it kind of, it just doesn't. It, I don't remember it being memorable, so I'm like, if I wasn't that into it, I don't think you would have any reason to watch it. No, oh, I thought it was just a remake. Okay. No, I'm sorry. The original also starring Ben Johnson of Terror Train. Mr. Conductor. Mm-hmm. 
Aww. Oscar-winning actor. Mr. Conductor. Known for Terror Train and the sound, Town the Dreaded Sundown and The Swarm. Oh, man. What a career. What a career. Uh, well, okay. We're both dead. We're both dead. We have that going for us. <laughs> yeah. Will anyone notice a difference next week? <laughs> we'll see. The corpses didn't introduce themselves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Well, GaylordsOfDarkness.com. You can find us on social media, Gaylords of D at Twitter, Instagram, Gaylords of Darkness. Uh, otherwise, you know, whatever, man. Right? Hang in there, baby. <laughs> Sorry. Wow, for a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured, yet informative. I know, right? Is it over? It's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm gonna guess yes. Ah, oh, oh my god! god. Oh, oh my god! god. Tune in next time for more Gaylords of Darkness! Yeah! <laughs>